Dr. Kuntz, uh, three years ago, before we started A Brief History of Power, I was you know, really concerned about the state of the world, summer of 2020. And I was deep diving into all sorts of things, Hebrew, the Bible, Old Testament, specifically Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, just seemed like wisdom was what we needed. But I was reading other stuff too. And one of the books that really struck me, it scared me because it's like, man, this is just some kind of pagan guy's idea of the future, right? Futuristing, futurism. I mean, what is this? But false prophecy, right? So should I listen at all? It's a research project done based on marketing trends. And the claim of the book, which is called Pendulum, you can find it, Roy Williams, Michael Drew. The claim of the book is that there are 40-year generational cycles that we can track through all human history that more or less move on a pendulum swing through an 80-year cycle uh, that has four sets of 20 in it that all have different marketing patterns that you can trace and be ready for upcoming you know, trends and, and in fact, sell stuff. Like That's the point of this book. Okay. But what they notice is that the trend seems to extend far beyond modern history and into ancient history. And, and that's where the claims can get a little fantastical, depending on who you want to talk to. You know, our listeners are the people who, who find the fantastical, sometimes the truth to be stranger than, than fiction, right? And so, again, uh, this book's premise, though, then, is that uh, heading into around 2023, there would be a, a mass struggle event that would impact probably global, if not all of Western society, because that's just the season we're going to be in. And that event's either going to make everything just really bad, or it's going to set up something else about 40 years down the road. And that one way or the other, everyone should brace for a time of, now I'm, I'm just going to give you some of their actual <laughs> uh, words here, uh, rather, rather than myself. It's right before the section who will we burn this time? <laughs> they write um, from halfway up a we to halfway down the we, that's versus I, is the time of witch hunts, transparency, and authenticity. I'm okay. You're not okay. This is the 20-year season of holy wars, wars, us versus them. We, the good and righteous defenders of truth and beauty, against they, the evil and sinister malefactors intent on destroying the way of our life. Now, again, their contention is that from now, 2023, until 2033, we're going to figure out whether we're at like alt epic levels of war or whether somehow marketing can fix it. And that's actually the premise of the book. They're like, so here is what we can do, <laughs> which to me, if you're going to make this kind of cosmic claim, like global warming. Give me something better than marketing, please. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. Right. right. So all this said, it, it, it was like, huh. Well, they're saying big things happened before COVID. And look, it just happened. I wonder, hmm, let me just think outside the box a bit like these guys are doing. And so here we sit three years later. I mean, what do I do? I put myself at the feet of the smartest guy that's younger than me that I can find, right? Who I happen to just know, God be praised, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and I ask him, you know, teach me about what I missed while I was watching movies. And three years later, we're here and we've got. I don't know what to call you who follow us. You're disciples of Jesus, I think, before you're anything else. And you want to understand your place in time right now in history so that you can make wise decisions as a Christian for your family, for your neighborhood, for your, your city, should you live in one. And so this year's year in review episode is just with all that as sort of the context right? And that I'm still sitting here saying, I'll say one more thing uh, about this. Then, so, uh, you know, the book premises 2023 is like when it all goes down, baby. Okay. That's a big bull claim, you know, Tiawaki and all this. Uh, but, you know, when I first read that three years ago, I'm like 2023. Okay. I got to get ready. And I started thinking about all the stuff to get ready. You know, not like I'm really that serious because I didn't spend money on it. Really. <laughs> so, but, but like, I was like, what would I need to do? Right. I'm not going to be an idiot, but I'm going to think it through. And, and I realized pretty quickly that I can't get ready by 2023, no matter what I do. I do not have the funds. I do not have the people. I, I just, I don't have the resources at all. Jesus help me. I can't do it. But then that little bit about how 2023 could be a setup for 2063 whether it's true or not, got me thinking in the right way, which is I can do something about 2063. I can. 
I can do lots of things about 2063. My time's on my side. All I got to do believe is believe I'm going to get there, right? And that's what Christianity is just amazing about. You know, like you're going to get there. Jesus wants you there. So put your feet on the ground and start walking. And again, so here we are at three years into this. I don't know what the dark winter is going to bring. You know, Hunter Biden snuck in the White House. Is that true? I mean, I read it on like, it was Fox. You know, I mean, what? So like so much is going on. Year in review, Dr. Coons, I'm going to open it up with my backyard, which I, I've been watching the moon and the stars since that same summer when Genesis said they are put in the sky for times and seasons. And I was like, wow, I should watch the sky. So I started watching the sky. <laughs> and and recently after yeah. watching Twitter, I noticed some people saying, hey, are you watching the sky? Have you noticed this stuff that's never been in the sky before? Like, not like this? Chemtrails. And, you know, I did my little, you know, Google, whatever. And they're like, oh, ice crystals, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, fine, sure, whatever. I dismiss. And then, like, I start seeing it in my sky. And I'm like, this is, this is not, this is not the way it was. I know that. I've been here a long time now. And it doesn't look cheap, right? Like, like someone's paying for that. And I may be stupid on everything else in life, Dr. Kuntz. So you can, you can illuminate me from there, but, but. Don't tell me this is normal, these, these things in the sky, the, the chemtrails. So something about weather modification is that it's the kind of thing where if you're, if you are trying to, you know, if you Google chemtrails, they're going to tell you you're wrong. These are ice crystals, et cetera, et cetera. And, and to some degree, what do I, I mean, I don't even know, but I know enough to notice that if you look at it as weather modification, in the context of climate change, then they will say, we, we do this, or we should try to do this, or the Chinese do this, and maybe this is a good idea, like a lot of other things. <laughs> because we need to be able to counteract global climate change, anthropogenic climate change. And we can p possibly do that through weather, weather modification. So it's one of these Schrodinger cat moments that you frequently get when you are trying to become aware of something or you you see something in the sky or you see something in everyday life and you look it up and you get two completely different explanations from mainstream sources of what you're looking at, depending on your motivation and looking. So if you're looking up in the sky and you're saying, I'm worried that Illinois is getting too warm, that there, we're not going to have Courier and Ives type winters anymore in Illinois, even though it's supposed to be cold. Okay. Then... You can talk about weather modification. You can talk about cloud seeding. You can talk about lots of other things. If you are looking because, because you heard a stray remark in the middle of a 20-hour Joe Rogan podcast, that's, that's the problem. And I think that one thing that we're increasingly finding, and this is a theme not so much for some of the foreign policy stuff we're going to talk about as, as for some of the domestic stuff, is that it is as if we are all beginning to live in separate realities. Yes, and, absolutely. And because of that, and that that really has only accelerated in three years. So three years ago, <laughs> I thought people were crazy who were telling me to wear goggles and gloves to go to the grocery store, right? But because I didn't really see that in Northern Indiana, because it was... COVID was, it was, we had a, we had a light COVID, <laughs> right? We had an easy COVID as it were. And I remember my folks came out from PA and it kind of like broke my heart. They were so surprised that people were in restaurants. It's like, yeah, they're in restaurants. Well, they didn't see that where they were. Yeah. So yeah. those, those fragmented realities that really has only, if that's gone away in COVID terms, that has only picked up in so many other terms, right? So at this point in 2023, Trump is not just you know, orange man bad. Trump is an insurrectionist on the same level as Jefferson Davis, where the debate about Jefferson Davis wasn't, can Jefferson Davis run for president of the United States after the Civil War? It was, should we hang him or imprison him indefinitely? And eventually, actually, they let him go. But that was the debate. And now, <laughs> now that 14th Amendment that was designed to handle Jefferson Davis, essentially, is now being used against a, a former president of the United States, not the Confederate States. The turning of everything into us versus them again, and that's what the pendulum said would increase. And so the, the, the book, it does continue to prove its value 
as insight. You know, so marketing, demonstrating in hindsight what man has a tendency to do yeah. versus we can use marketing to fix this. I'm all about using Christianity to endure, right? But the they have projected this we to I, I to we thing moving now into harnessing of a we, right? So the fragmenting is actually a development of, of pluralization, not an individualization, because you are pluralizing just with people who aren't in your house. That's that's why we experience this isolation. But but what they are yeah. harnessing again, like you point out, is like it isn't Republican versus Democrat now. It, it is not. It, it is insurrection, right? The, re, the rebels versus what? I don't know what the other side is trying to say. Let's make America our great democracy. The court system and our, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. So they've called this time period that we're in. And I think it, I bring it up that we would embrace it as, as the reality that we do share, right? That there are uh, witch hunts already about and, and Donald Trump is a shining example of that. And then we go on from there to, well, let's just, let's just see yeah. what we forgot in this yeah. year. And that's where, so I, I like your answer about, about, you know, weather seeding or cloud planning, or let's be real stupid and do more ecological damage in the name of environmentalism. I can't imagine you're using jets. You're, I, I can't, I can't anyway. Well, uh, yeah, um, I mean, it's kind of like, it's kind of like electric vehicles at that point. Like, and I, and I don't, I don't have like a ferocious ideological hatred of electric vehicles as some people I know and love do. But the fact that they're being pushed very obviously, you just need to look at their production processes and their lifespans. And this is, this is not as ecologically friendly, whether you think fossil fuels are renewable or not. Okay. That's a separate yeah. debate. They're not yeah. as ecologically friendly because of the destruction that has to be wrought to produce them so that but that's going to come up over and over and over again is that the things that we are expected to just jump on board with we are also expected not to analyze i i don't i don't think this is something that is entirely predictable in the sense of marketing research or seasonality which is a really important topic in figuring out investments what things are seasonal and and along what lines i think it's really a function of something that if you know about other periods of history is entirely predictable so the idea of us versus them or or i or or i versus you know whoever else you your family whatever is always going to occur in times of stress and it, it's something that people don't always know but just an example that is accessible to everybody listening because you can go find a bible and read it is that the book of judges takes place in a time period where if you know anything else about the world around that you understand essentially everybody is under incredible stress i mean existential stress and the survival survival everyone's battling for survival it's the collapse of the bronze age Bronze Age, right right so bronze age collapse occurs seemingly throughout what you could call eurasia right where that big land mass coalesces right in the middle east but there are problems in what we now think of europe as europe there are problems in central asia there are problems in east africa the idea that everyone's doing what is right in his own eyes is something that if you if you go back and you look at it that doesn't just happen randomly people don't just wake up and think i will indulge the worst that is inside of me mm. right they they get pushed into situations where that happens and the idea of us versus them takes a division that already exists israelites and philistines israelites and hittites who come down from the north because they're looking for more and that's going to be pushed and strained in this time there were democrats and republicans in the 1990s <laughs> yeah okay yeah <laughs> but, i was there i was there they hated each other but it wasn't like this man it wasn't it Golly. wasn't like this so that that's something where when when you are on some kind of survival basis and we're not there as far as resources we're not there right now as far as food we're not there right now as far as energy in the united states we are definitely there on on the level of what do i think life is for how do i live my life 
people can't even get along in their own families. So the idea that somehow they are divided, like racial division, political division, yeah, of course they are. And of course, that's going to be strained. People are also divided against people with whom they share their genetic information, <laughs> right? This is not just happening on some kind of macro level or political level. It's happening on a familial level. And because of that, that's that's one way you you can look at that and say, okay, well, how when and where do things like this happen? Things like this happen in situations of imminent destruction, renewal, cleansing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> think of a negative word. That's how it goes, right? I mean, just think about Jesus's description of what the fall of Jerusalem is going to be like. It will be horrible inside a family inside the family. It will even be horrible for the mother who is bringing life, new life into the world at that time. Wickedness is in the dwellings. Wickedness is among them. As for me, I will call on Jesus Christ and he shall save me. Chemtrails, I'm still on it because <laughs> I like your answer, but there was this, this story about a Chinese spy balloon. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. And I, I don't know. That was a sign. I the, to, that was supposed to be a sign in the heavens. Jennifer. If I was a geriatric yeah. and I was trying to hide from a spy balloon, I might make chemtrails. You know, I might just do it. <laughs> well, the spy, <laughs> the, the, the notion of a, a, a Chinese spy balloon, I mean, and, and that we were failing to do anything about it or could not do anything about it. That was always kind of weird. And so I'm not going to like give some sort of ruling on its authenticity, but I think it's, it's a signal of what else has happened this year in particular with what we would call the BRICS, Brazil, Russia, India, China. If you capitalize the S, you throw on South Africa, but I have my very serious doubts about the continuing existence of South Africa as a Even function. Even a Chinese state? I, I think, yeah, it, it may be China's most glorious colony. Yeah. Right. I mean, so it's right it, on the map I'm looking at. So right. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, you know, that that may be what's what's happening there. But the expansion of BRICS, including the desire to create an alternate system of money transfer alternatives to the dollar long term, let's say specifically the petrodollar, the dollar as related to production of oil. So that to me is is actually one of the biggest stories of the year. I know that it feels obscure and it kind of is, but that there is an alternative being created to the G7 or the G20 group, yep. which is yep. essentially this is who won after World War II and their friends. That that is very significant. It is huge. It is huge. And and looking at that map as you, you know, you said let's let's talk about this year. The the BRICS reality and that map just continues to say to me what the reality of the kingdoms that we live under is right now. Yeah, I don't need right. much more than that map. And just so everyone can see it, we're going to try to get it out to you. It was found by uh, Golgotha on the Darkstar Universe on Discord. And it, it, I think maybe aside from the fact that it's so evidently, you call it post-World War II who won, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it you know the post-British colonies against everybody else and everybody else is like we're done with you and we're surrounded we're surrounded and that that's just really really clear and what are we surrounded by well i mean it's not like they're attacking right now but they're not going to use the dollar anymore right and uh, here's a big deal here it, it, it's a very big deal here is one caveat to it because i think people read it as rise 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 there are instabilities inside those po inside those Absolutely. polities, those entities, yep. particularly demographic, that have to be recognized. So if if you want to say, just go just go find the last three months of South African news, and you tell me yeah, right. how they're well, gonna you know gonna do? take on the United States of America. Well, and, and the big one for me then would be that that news stories that I've seen more than one about China's own paper fiat currency inflation policies that look a lot like ours. So, you know, they're going to build their big same version of collapse. Okay. Like, but still as a news item, then to see the divisiveness of the world as a post Anglo reality, largely. Yeah. Right. And then notice that Argentina, 
Malay uh, has applied for entry, right? So, so that's an interesting piece that that ties it all together, right? And I see. I feel like I have one more note down here. I wanted to make sure I fit into that, but the the shift from having a a universal currency in the world order to a bipolar order is not a shift from normal to unnormal, right? It's a shift from from unnormal back to normal. Yeah, right. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, particularly the way that the world has been controlled through payments transfers that are that are finally governed by the United States of America in the same way that the Internet has historically been, right. you know, soft governed by the United States of America means that now worlds can be constructed that do not rely on the United States of America for their security in the same way that as of roughly 1870, running up to 1914, Britain's great fear is that their hegemony will be threatened. And if you go back and you look at that world, you find not just that there's instability and change in Africa, in Asia and Latin America, but that also inside the powers themselves, there is uncertainty about with whom they should ally themselves. So there's, there's a debate, you know, like, is the United States the greatest threat to Great Britain? Is Germany the greatest threat? Is France the greatest threat? So you should not be surprised to see this in the United States. Difference being the United States, as well as China, as well as Russia, as well as India, all have internal demographic problems simply regarding births and deaths, for example, mm -hmm. that did not exist in the 19th century. So the idea that a power will just rise and rise and rise at this time is to me a little bit shifty. Yeah. No. If somebody is telling you it, that, that, you know, that's just going to happen. The Chinese are, yeah, maybe the no, Chinese no, no. will come to dominate Southeast Asia. The idea that they're going to somehow rise and replace the United States of America is to me, yeah, is to me ultimately unbelievable because of these demographic things. I can see us all rising a little bit or falling a little bit, but then falling precipitously. Yeah. It won't be quickly. Yeah. China's game, but that's where China, I think, knows more than we do because they're, I think they play a longer game. So I think their game is not to conquer us. Their game is to cripple us and leave us in our corner fighting ourselves while they just consolidate their power. And I'm not saying that I trust the guy on top to really know what he's doing. I'm just saying that they, they play a longer game than we do. The other piece of the map that really, again, says a lot, application yeah. for entry is Saudi yeah. Arabia. Saudi Arabia. So the petrodollar and the existence of the petrodollar and the life of the <laughs> United States as a petrodollar yes. is our alliance with Saudi Arabia. And that's gone again. So it's not about them being a rising power. Saudi Arabia is going to remain what they are, probably. And there'll be a wealthy enclave for those who can get there. Yeah. But they're not going to be like letting that trickle down effect happen over here anymore. So, I mean, we can get into the future of what we should do, blah, blah, blah. That's what the Brief History of Power channel on the Discord is for, in theory, to argue about those things we talk about here. Um, but I, we got other stories to get into, too. right? Yeah. So, so the takeaway from this is that everything's collapsing everywhere and the dollar it is signaling to us its own increasing inability to help us. And East Palestine ought to sure to, you know, bring that home real hard and fast. <laughs> East Palestine, Ohio, don't forget about it. Don't sleep on it. It's a better index of how our regime thinks about average Americans than almost anything else that's happened this year. President Biden still has not been there. I don't think at this point he'll ever go there. Notably, it was so bad that Republican governed Ohio and Democrat governed Pennsylvania, which is a matter of maybe 10, 15 miles from East Palestine. So the fallout from the explosion there back in February affected both states. They aligned in saying, you need to care more. You need to regulate more. We need more than maybe two people on trains full of hazardous industrial chemicals. There's all kinds of stuff. And, and this is one where you can go back and you can find the minutia that at the time we generally get into. The, I think the, the year-long and more than year-long significance of the place is that they simply do not care, okay? That what will always be favored will be the 
good, particularly the financial good, particularly the current and in recent past stock performance hmm. of publicly held equities rather than the physical good, the physical well-being of people in a pretty quintessential small town. Yeah, 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 yeah. With the railroad and U.S. Steel just got sold and the senators are involved and the senator from from Pennsylvania who can't even talk is talking about it. You're breaking my heart. I've been sharing <laughs> I've been sharing kind of, you know, very <laughs> just kind of stupid joke memes about John Fetterman with my father for the entire time that John Fetterman has existed in public. Nonetheless, He's John Fetterman right right comes out and says, <laughs> this is bad. This is bad for our people that we're going to lose U.S. Steel because Ugh. the reality here is, and th this is a little bit different from East Palestine, the sale of U.S. Steel to Nippon Steel. The, the pledge is that the headquarters are going to stay in Pittsburgh, blah, 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 blah. That doesn't really finally matter. You just become a branch office of somebody else. The real significance here is that whereas with East Palestine, you have, we don't care about you really. Okay. With U.S. Steel, it's it's not just that we don't care about you. It's that we will, and this is something that we're going to be talking a lot about in the new year as we look into the history of technology and the history of innovation and how I'm going to contend that has all slowed way down. And we are merely working on sub-developments of sub-developments of original developments in industrial history is that deindustrialization, taking away your capacity to make steel, is taking away your capacity to be a modern country. Amen. Right. That's that's what that means. It, so it's not just jobs in Braddock, Pennsylvania, okay, which is the part that kind of breaks my heart and makes me personally irrationally angry about the situation. And I know it's irrational, but it's like visceral. You are taking away our existence in addition to that. Right. So if you don't have any kind of feels about Western Pennsylvania, in addition to that, manufacture of steel is your capacity as of like roughly 1870. So go back to the run up to World War One. That's your capacity to be a modern country. If you are importing steel, and especially if you are importing an, an inferior foreign product, which is usually what we're doing with Chinese steel, which has undercut us in steel and aluminum for years and years and years. If you're doing that, you're under that country's control. That it's It's really that simple. So if Chinese steel is the vast majority or at least some kind of majority or a even a plurality of steel manufactured worldwide you are at their you're you're going to act at their behest that's just the way it works because you cannot operate an industrial economy without steel <laughs> this i know and this bothers me why don't we melt some statues while we're at it <laughs> Yeah, that's a connection that I hadn't I hadn't uh, personally made before. <laughs> Iconic image of 2023 is the melting down. I believe it was this, it was the Robert E. Lee statue from Richmond that came down in 2020, and that it almost like a death mask. This this image was was put out there on what is now called X.com. Right, that's another that's another development of. 2023 is that it, you can't say, don't say Twitter. It's x.com on we'll, x. We'll get to AI. We'll get to AI. Okay. On x.com, <laughs> which was, as we related Musk's website, like 25 years ago too. on x.com constant from all kinds of accounts, images of the Robert E. Lee face of that statue, which was way up on traveler, way up on a pedestal in Richmond being melted down. And then just in recent days, as we record, maybe even yesterday, the statue was removed was what was called the Reconciliation Memorial at Arlington National Cemetery, mm -hmm. which was Robert E. Lee's home until it was <laughs> confiscated for back taxes during the Civil War. All of that is to say that what you're dealing with is something that we've been talking about for three years, which is you need to pay more attention to decisions and, and actual action in the world than you do to words. So let's say that, for instance, at the end of 2023, the 14th Amendment to the United States Constitution is being invoked, an amendment specifically targeted as far as what it forbids at people who participated politically in what was called the War of Rebellion. That's actually the name of the official government records. The way that that was handled by the people who personally fought it, also in the North, 
was to reconcile those states politically to the rest of the union and to readmit Confederate soldiers to the vote. And that's why you can find images of, say, President Coolidge, who is a northerner of northerners, comes from a state that I think his father was a Civil War veteran, comes from a state that borders Canada, for goodness sake, laying a wreath at the Arlington Reconciliation Memorial. We did not treat the Confederates as permanent enemies. The fact that Confederates and their statues are being treated as permanent enemies to be effaced in the same way that after the fall of the Berlin Wall, communist monuments were effaced, destroyed, pulled down. That's, re that's always a sign of regime change, right? When the monuments change, the faces change. Okay. What's, what's being melted down is not just, and maybe you have absolutely, in the, you might not care about Western Pennsylvania, you might not care about the South at all. That's not really the significance of the statue being melted down. What's being melted down is an understanding of life where the American past is allowed to exist and is interpreted in some kind of harmony with the way that it was understood at the time. So even if you think, and I think this is very one-sided, even if you think the Civil War was about freeing the slaves, okay, I don't, I don't think it was. I think that was a consequence whatever hallelujah even if you think even if you think that we didn't treat the people who held slaves the way that they're now being treated and that is why also in 2023 thomas jefferson's statue was removed from new york city hall okay so if you want to pull down lee you're going to end up pulling down everything about the american past you'll be able to have statues maybe from the 20th century Maybe you'll be allowed to have statues about World War II, but anything prior to that is just kind of gone, sort of like our colonial past in most people's minds. Nobody knows or cares who served with the British Army to invade Canada in the, seven, in the early 1700s. Why? Because that regime is totally gone. It's because Peyton Manning did some amazing stuff. <laughs> you just don't understand. I don't know. I, I, I definitely don't understand. But but this is a sign not so much of, well, I hate the South anyway, or the South was wrong anyway, or whatever. That, that's not the significance. They're, they're not there explaining to you like why it was okay for the federal government to take Arlington from the Lee family. That, none of that really matters. The past doesn't actually matter to these people, except as a sign of a country that they're trying to abolish. Right? And so thank God for the guy from Iowa. <laughs> who, who like decided to abolish the country of Satan well, in Iowa. And I realized as yeah. I, as I cheered in my prayers that day for the inspired American Patriot, God bless him, whatever may come, whose convictions did not allow him to stand by and see that disgusting and deplorable thing. Like the one that hangs over the Pope's head, by the way, sit there and stare at his state. And it made me remember that I indeed hail from Iowa. Oh, blessed Iowa, let me laud your praises the rest of my life and you know, statues coming down. I mean, it's so, it is something. Yeah. So Michael Cassidy knocked down a, a Satan statue in the Iowa State State Capitol. I, I want to point out that that was allowed to go up for a certain understanding of religious freedom that I don't think is at all mandated by the United States Constitution. Congress shall make no law respecting that had nothing to say about whether Massachusetts or Connecticut could have their state churches back then. And likewise, whether Iowa can forbid satanic worship in its state capital. I want to point out that Michael Cassidy drove from Mississippi to knock that statue down. Oh my goodness. What a man. And that what you are, <laughs> what you are dealing with therefore is also, and this is why something, something we don't have in the show notes and I don't want to just throw it as a curveball, but I would say that the secularization of the South via the watering down of what we call American evangelicalism, usually with disdain, but that the secularization of the South, which is really the last part of the United States of America, where a majority of adults report going to church regularly, will be, is a long-term story for us internally in the same way that BRICS is a long-term story of great significance for us externally. It's not an accomplished fact 
and it doesn't have to happen. But I would point out that if you want a Baphomet type statue taken down in the Midwest, a man comes from the South to do so. So if that entire region is secularized in the same way that the West yeah, or the Northeast is secularized, and we talked much earlier this year about the Pacific Northwest being a very much host Christianity place, and then what happens next, you don't want to see that happen for all kinds of reasons. And nor do I want to advocate that every time you are convicted to lift up your hands, you do something in more than prayer. So let it not be said that we're we're saying rise up to arms, except with prayer employ thee. That said, again, when I see a guy who follows his convictions like that, it's hard not to be inspired. Well, yeah. And and, and I mean, people say, oh, well, he's operating, you know, this is illegal or something. It's not. He knew there would be legal consequences. He's been charged with fourth degree criminal mischief. He's taken it. Yeah. That's just saying, look, like, yes, if I physically attack this person who's harming my child in public and I live in California, maybe I'm running a risk that I'm going to be charged with something for physically, uh, you know, I'm going to be charged with assault and battery or something. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. will run that risk to protect my child's well-being, right? So to say that every time that you do something that isn't nice, you're somehow trying to destroy everything is simply not true. We are not familiar with such a framework because we are not familiar with actual physical danger, for example, or with something that seems like an existential threat. The reason you're seeing more of this in all kinds of ways with, from people with all kinds of motivations and usually, to be honest with you, violence in the United States of America, I mean, and I'm not even I'm not even saying knocking down a statue is violence, but destruction, okay, of other people, and certainly destruction of statues is almost a preserve of the left. It, it's almost a preserve of the left. Yeah. The reason you don't know about that is because almost nobody knows about left-wing violence in American history. But the idea that, okay, one guy knocks down a statue that is easy enough to knock down, he can, quote, behead it. But we've just <laughs> gone... made of U.S. steel, right? <laughs> what? No, sir. That was that was not produced in Braddock. Uh, or, you know. But but we've, we've just gone through three years of statues being destroyed. Yeah. This is the statue that matters. This is the sign that, like, there are completely dangerous people abroad. Give me a break. Yeah, and it cross-references in my head with images of immigration in Europe pulling down crosses and other things off yeah. the top of buildings. And, yeah. and again, so just, you know, par for the course, are we just going to see more of this? Well, or or is it all in your head? Maybe it's all a complete fabrication developed by artificial intelligence, the robots, the machines, the clockwork gods, they are here and it's all just a story they've made up. You really live in a bubble and every time you travel, you're just having a dream. It's like total recall, right? So, or perhaps, uh, well, you, you've seen enough of them. AI is the spark that kind of makes yeah. the end of the year even weirder if it could yeah. be, right? Yeah. Like everything else yeah. we just talked about, sort of like post-World War II stuff, right? And now the, the technology edge of it really is going to hit from what the east the west uh austin you know silicon valley uh oh i had someone else to say but i'll let you go from there <laughs> let's just take austin as kind of a harbinger of some of these things because it was supposed to be a refuge from california that's what it was set up to be in in roughly the past decade and one of the most interesting things to me about the Tucker Carlson interview with Alex Jones that that heralded Alex Jones return to. Can I guess? To, can I guess? Can I guess? Yeah. Can I guess? It's when he says, I'm leaving Austin. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. Well, and yeah. he's been talking about it. He he says he's been thinking about it for years. Yeah. And his comment about Austin was the reason it feels amazing to Joe Rogan is because you just it you get to rewind LA to like 2005. You don't change the track LA was on, but if you move from LA 2020 to Austin 2020, it seems incredible, right? 
the the issue here is not so much that you know you're you're moving people who want avocado toast to a place where they didn't make avocado toast before i think that that's often that's often been the focus on californication and the californication of the united states and uh, i really yeah, think avocado's that's avocado's got something going they, i'm a little offended <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah you defend avocados and i'll defend steel <laughs> and, and 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 we'll both be right to do that I, I don't think avocado toast or or overpriced brunch places was was really the issue with Austin. It's that what has been brought and what is occurring to Austin and the reason that a almost lifelong resident like Alex Jones wants to leave it is because you are bringing in with AI, AI development, tech development, a, a Tesla gigafactory, you are bringing in the same system of smoke and mirrors that makes a place like California unlivable, even for lifelong Californians. And that is a combination of a wide variety of things in wealth stratification, really, really, really wealthy people and really, really, really poor people. Immigration's role in that, whatever else can be said about immigration throughout the developed world this year, including places that haven't had large amounts of immigration before, such as Japan, is that the purpose of immigration among lots of other things and lots of other effects that it has that is seemingly that everyone becomes extremely unhappy because no one ever feels at home anymore but that what it does financially and economically in a place like california and now in a place like texas is that it supplies the underclass who will perform the jobs for the people who are making money off ai or for the people who are making money off whatever other tech developments you might think look kind of like a Ponzi scheme that only the people at the top are going to make money and everyone else is going to be left holding the bag because as if there is enormous ongoing demographic change in every developed country, developed countries will therefore come to look more like third world countries. That doesn't mean everyone's poor. It means that, most people are poor and that the role that they hold if they have any kind of security is to serve the wealthy and, and that the if wealthy you're, if you're if you're not poor you need a wall yeah right? you need right exactly that if you're not poor you live behind a wall and you employ poor people to do almost everything for you yeah and you get to live in a nice place the promise of a developed country whether it's Japan or the United States of America or Britain was that the average person can live a decent life. That was the idea. That was the change, right? That was the difference that having jobs making steel was, were, that was that's what that secured for you, okay? Yeah. What, what therefore goes away, first in LA, now in Austin, now in wherever else, what goes away is your sense of stability and well-being and that's not just material. I mean, I, I think that we underestimate the spiritual effects on people. Absolutely. Yes. Of insecurity, instability. You don't know if you go out like, okay, what language are we supposed to be speaking here in this interaction or in this neighborhood? All of that is makes you insecure, miserable, sad, weirded out. The desire to flee from that or the attempt to flee from that and you know, Jones actually talked about this too. He said, like, I'd love to just go into the country. The problem then is that now, okay, now you're in some kind of basically ghetto. <laughs> it's just a rural ghetto, a containment area, right? Hunger Games type stuff. You're in a rural ghetto. And I can actually, I mean, I can tell you this does, this didn't work for Appalachia. It's not like Appalachia, therefore, Appalachia made itself. And, and was made by its history into essentially a rural ghetto. And it was used for resource extraction in the case of coal, but it also made it a sitting duck for first opioids and now everything being laced with fentanyl. Because if you want to destroy a population, if they're concentrated, then you know exactly where they are. You can do it practically at the same time. And it has, along with Johnson's Great Society, it is a rural ghetto that has been destroyed by all kinds of things. So just going to the country doesn't actually solve this. This is where 
over the past three years, I think we have come to see, and by we, I, I don't just mean you and I, I mean the listeners have come to see that if you don't have some kind of, you don't have some kind of positive alternative that is being developed along whatever lines, whether we're talking about your business or your local government or whatever it is that you're trying to deal with or handle, if you don't develop a positive alternative, the idea that somehow you're going to go away and then things will be okay, that idea that you go away and then things are okay and you don't have to exercise self-government in these various realms of life, that don't that that worked when we were a country devoted to making life decent for an average person. If you now know that's not what we're doing here, that's not how this works, right? One sign being we're gonna let in hundreds of thousands of people all the time and they're gonna be taken care of and you won't be. Okay, that's your sign. Like you can't go somewhere and then and then things will work out. You always have to exercise some amount of will and energy in these very in your business, in your family, in your life, in your church, because things will are not set up to work out for you anymore. <laughs> right. They're just yeah. not. Not everyone can burn down half of Hawaii so they can build a bunker, you know, just guy who owns Facebook. <laughs> yeah, but, that's you know, I, I'm, uh, so, I'm sorry. We should have done that with East Palestine. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, you're right. But the mention of Zuck. Alex Jones, Tucker Carlson, Elon Musk in one conversation. Yeah. When I look at Twitter, which I've I've done recently, you know, I go through phases, seasons, I get off it in a way because it's just insane. But like more and more, like every time yeah. I come back, I'm like, man, it got better at being insane. It's like this thing's an AI game programmed to read what I read and decide what I might have understood and throw me more weird that I couldn't imagine. And yet is just what obviously would happen in a collapsing world. I, it, it's such a, it's such a powerful deception. I think the, the ability of headlines to not give all the information, the ability um, of, of combined with though, like first source people on the ground, taking pictures of stuff that then, you know, AI, AI. AI, they can just fake it. And and how if you don't study these things at all, you don't know how far they can go. I I don't know what they've got hidden in their up echelons at Apple and Google that they don't share with the world. Yeah. I know that as I've as I've talked to chat and Bard indirectly, directly, I tried them both out. What do you want to say? I continue to use Jack because it's a great history teacher robot. That's all it is. Tell me a history lesson about this robot, and it gives me a good thing. Bard, Bard was a little too personal for me. I didn't like Bard. Bard scared me, <laughs> you know. Uh, and that in Google being what they are, I mean, yeah. duh, right? Yeah. AI again, what it is is a misnomer. It it is a smoke and mirror in itself to pretend we've really done something more. Like you mentioned earlier, yeah. in almost all schools, nothing is new. We're just forwarding repetition at higher levels and volumes. So that, that's what's going on here. And, and yet at a scale that requires a certain level of, of education and submission to social orders in order to participate in, many Christians still do. But that's what, again, we see changing. So, you know, as you move to Austin to work for this company or whatever, there's a great Lutheran church right there. But can the company let you in the door anymore? Once you've gone, that's what continues to change and why, why I advocate a little bit, not, not just AI, forget AI. It sounds too big if I say we need to build our own AI, but I think Christians need to just start building our own technologies and stop running on the assumptions of these Philistines. And, and, and so that's my whole endeavor okay. with this. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. And any effort to do that has to recognize that you are in a situation that is more like judges than anything else. Absolutely. So in judges, survival is up for grabs. On top of that, governance is up for grabs. On top of that, even the technologies used are up for grabs if you pay attention because you, you can recognize that the Israelites actually lack certain technologies. Yes. All of that involves understanding who your people are in a, particularly in a face-to-face -face way and then trying to build off that. If you don't have that, having good ideas or having a good sense of analysis of what is happening or something has very limited value 
That is why I have always stressed over three years, this is of limited value because neither Pastor Fist nor I can put into practice such wisdom for you in your own life. If you're doing that, and I know people are doing that who are listening, that is incredible and fantastic. If you're not doing that, if you're just listening, you're just consuming, then you should probably just stop consuming because yes. you're missing the point. Because the point has been that if you, that if anything's going to be built and you can you can dream really big and try to fund it really big and try to build it really big, or you can dream small, or you can try to get your own personal habits in check first in the new year, whatever it is that you're shooting for, you have to recognize that we are dealing with, we are in a time of immense conflict at all levels, inside families, inside souls, and therefore saying, okay, go build your own technology is going to sound crazy, but it also means it, 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 you can say that because you are dealing with a time of immense opportunity, Yep, conflict and opportunity. They always come together. A lot of us are still programmed. And my guess would be that just like Netflix programming, AI, and we saw this development over the course of the year with chat GPT, particularly will be developed in the direction of corralling thinking, corralling information so that people sort of like how people were herded off the sort of chat room internet into social media internet more than a decade ago now, where things are much more safely corralled than they were in 2004, that most people will be corralled into, you know, a, a thinking that is very static and that assumes that what has been in the past will continue to be in the future. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't mean that the people developing those technologies actually believe that. It means that that is a much simpler and more secure way to govern a populace that is entirely on the internet. Even the guys coming across the border have smartphones. Yeah. So, <laughs> gotta be in the matrix, right? man. You gotta be in the matrix. Right. So even our, even our ostensibly our poorest of poor have smartphones that they will want to corral your thinking into those accustomed channels. And you, you have to, before you even develop your own technology of any kind for any purpose, you have to be able to get yourself out of those channels, yep. at least temporarily, in order to have your own thoughts. That's correct. That's absolutely spot on. And so uh, while I can, I can completely affirm to you, like if you're just listening and arguing online, stop. I mean, it's go boring do, go, too. Go like, do something, yeah. man. The three years, I said, this is my class. I got a private class with a doc at the SEM and he left the SEM. He still teaches me. It's great. And I take a lot of notes every time and I don't always go back to every note because sometimes the value isn't taking it. But I definitely have put into practice the the wisdom of hindsight that you've, you've shared it directly because you've got it. I like to think I can see it in the stories myself sometimes. And I, I put this in practice in my locality and while... I think everyone here is, I'll talk for my family, I'll talk for my congregation, I'll talk for the neighborhood friends that are, are tied to the Hebrew Collegium. We're all very well aware that we come from and to and are in broken places, homes that are not what they ought to be according to Christian virtue. And that the path forward to that is grace in Jesus Christ and in a fearless belief that acting upon the love for each other will then enable us to look outward and and love others as well. And then for the fathers of the home, that always means taking ownership of everything. It means getting off this partnership bandwagon. It means believing that you are charged with God as the master of the house. And so you are to be ready for what? For when Jesus comes back, uh, for the day of the Lord. Uh, and that day of the Lord sometimes comes sooner than others looking like great collapses and catastrophes in your city. And so you want to be ready for that one too with prayer like Hezekiah, right? So so all of this then is is us saying and cheering you into the new year with the belief that is as bad as it gets, I, I'm just not kidding. As bad as it gets, you said it years ago, now is the time to build. And that's what's got me to the point where I'm saying, okay, I think we actually could build some technology from the ground up. I really do. Can we provide all of our resources? Not without US Steel. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but, but who can provide, no one's an island. Yeah. No one's an island. You got a network. And that's what the discord is for, by the way, if you haven't figured out what that thing is really for. Okay. I, here, here it is. 
it's my little black book. You're inside of my little black book. You got all these people all over the world that listen to me for whatever reason. You don't have to like me to get to know them and see you guys think about the same stuff. And then what if you work together? Like you're all just sitting there and there's actually a workspace. You can create one right there. That's what that place is. That's why I call it a company, right? It's not about me giving orders. It's about the network that's underneath me is way bigger. There's more of you than them. There's more of you than them. And underneath me, I mean, we, right? Here we are, a brief history of power goes far further than my little corner goes. And I know the people that listen to this show are not only Dr. Koontz and, and Red Fisk fans. There's lots of other people out there doing good work, right? There's more of us than them. There are more of us than you bad guys. You got anything to say before the end of the year, Dr. Koontz? I could end it right there, but I'll, it's the end of the year. Yeah, it is the end of the year. And we would be remiss if we didn't mention both Ukraine and Israel. And oh, Israel, yes. <laughs> the, the modern nation state, not Israel in the Bible, <laughs> is that you can watch the progression. And th this is where, this is something that I'll be making the case for in the new year later on after technology, after a couple other things is that we're in a situation that I think is much more of an, has a much larger analogy to the American revolution, the time before the American revolution than to the civil war. Civil war is kind of the meme that is being put out there through media. Civil war two, we're gearing up for it. We're going to fight for it. It's going to be Western Alliance versus loyalist nations versus Florida Alliance versus California and Texas. That's a movie that's going to come out next year that we're really dealing with a situation that is more like we are colonized or we are colonies or we operate for the benefit of other countries. What changed over the course of the year was that we were supposed to, at the beginning of the year, operate for the benefit of Ukraine. And we pronounced our all kinds of political figures pronounced with the same assurance that they pronounced against Assad 10 years ago, that Russia would be defeated, Russia would be defeated, Russia would be defeated. Nobody was supposed to look at the long-term, just bare realities, demographic, industrial, to go along with the steel discussion of Russia versus Ukraine. That shifted as soon as on October 7th, Hamas attacked Israel publicly, that shifted to Israel. Now, by the end of this year, President Zelensky from Ukraine is like... He's not Buying even a nice house, right? He's, he's not <laughs> even yesterday's news, but it's basically, yeah, it's basically like the best we can do for him is going to be a house in Palm beach. And we can just forget that all of this ever happened. I mean, he's an actor after all. I mean, come on. He is literally an actor. In fact, he's specifically a clown. <laughs> he, he, he did. He played his role well. Okay. Yeah. And he had a role. Unfortunately, nobody's watching the show anymore. I don't know. I think it's kind of what they want, though. I, again, I had 4D. Keep going. You're in the show. Go, go. But what 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 has changed, and I think that you have to be ready for this too. If somehow you are still attached, you somehow you listen to this show and you're still attached to the regime in various ways, or and or <laughs> paid by uh, them to listen to the show. <laughs> you and you and you and your loved ones are attached. Okay, is that you have to be prepared to be cast off. Because when you're in a when you're in a situation of decline in various ways, whether you're talking about cognitive decline for President Biden or all the other forms of decline that we're in, that person, especially if he used to be powerful, is gonna still promise you a lot. You have to be ready for him not to be able to give you what he promised. You have to be ready for that. And that is a space that opens up in your soul room for freedom the freedom to operate, the freedom wherewith Christ hath made you free, because now you realize men do disappoint. That's what they do. And especially when they're in decline from having been powerful, they disappoint more people more than ever. On its face, Ukraine should be a lot more important than Israel for all kinds of reasons, size, population, location. But because Israel has a greater claim on our politics, now Ukraine doesn't really matter. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter if you think you should matter to somebody who should be helping you. 
he's going to overpromise and underdeliver and you just need to be prepared for that to be the general life reality for people who are used to having things and used to being able to give who no longer really can or who now have to make very clear resource decisions and i'm not just talking about american foreign policy i'm talking about everyday life people who are used to being able to be generous or they can give you because they were doing well and now as it were they lost their job and they can barely feed themselves and if you don't realize that that's how people get when they're desperate that that's a normal thing in a survival type situation also a spiritual survival type situation that they're going to lose everything if they affirm what you're affirming or they're going to lose everything if they don't affirm what you cannot affirm now you understand how people behave so if you go into life if you go into 2024 with that understanding of human beings everything's going to go better for you because you are going to have a much truer estimate of whom you're dealing with if you still think that people are going to be nice in survival situations then you are going to be very very rudely awakened in 2024 if you haven't already been december 21st 2023 as we record yesterday on twitter elon when you call me i'll change uh, on twitter there was news about the a polish and primary polish news media station operated by the conservative government more or less party in in poland uh being closed down as transition of power took place in poland same day emerging video of a polish ambassador i, I don't know what his name is what he's called we'll try to get it for the I, I really want to play it at the end of the show if we can find it he's standing on the un floor my guess is this is his last time to talk ever and you really you really want to hear what poland has to say before the lights go out you're listening to a brief history of power you were to find us or you wouldn't be here dear leftists dear so-called of so-called rule of law lovers it's been 365 days since Qatar gate exploded and what have you done nothing what have you done about vaccination scandal in european commission nothing oh sorry you've done a lot You've been attacking Polish government for eight years. For eight years. You tried to lecture us. You tried to lecture us about the rule of law. Rule of what? Rule of corruption. That's what it is. It's your people who were arrested. You trying to lecture Mr. Trump, Mr. Bolsonaro, Mr. Milley. You trying to lecture the whole world, conservative world, about the rule of law. And your people are arrested for corruption. You have no right to lecture us. You have no right to tell us, telling us what the democracy is. You have no right to tell me what the rule of law is. That is why I promise we're going to fight your leftism ideology until the final victory. So help me God. The Hebron Collegium is a gap year Bible school for men in Rockford, Illinois. Semi-monastic boot camp for Christian living. Cowards and slackers need not apply. HebronCollegium.com what do you think of when you hear the word college? Expensive? Liberal? Woke? Imagine a college that is affordable. A college that is unapologetically conservative and Lutheran. A college that won't take a dime of federal funding. A college that teaches the best of our Western heritage. A college where students grow in the Christian faith instead of leaving it behind. This is Luther Classical College. A college by Lutherans and for Lutherans. Visit our website, lutherclassical.org. Subscribe, become a patron, and join the thousands who are making Luther Classical College a reality. At 7,123 feet, you can find mountains soaring above you and rivers running swiftly in the valley below you. Natural beauty of every kind. But our God is richer in his gifts than this. At 7,123 feet in Pagosa Springs, Colorado, you can also find God's word preached purely and his sacraments given out for your salvation at Our Savior Lutheran Church and School. Located off US 160, just west of downtown Pagosa, our Savior offers your children a wonderful place to learn of Christ and his wisdom week in and week out, and offers you the medicine of immortality Sunday in and Sunday out. Our Savior Lutheran School provides a Christ-focused classical education 
that enriches the child's soul with the best that has been thought and said to the glory of God. Whether you visit while vacationing or hunting in the beauty of the area, or whether you would like to join a group of faithful Lutheran Christians, our Savior Pagosa Springs has what you're looking for. Divine service with Holy Communion is each Sunday at 9 a.m., and Bible class follows at 10.30. At more than a mile high, you will find Christ in all his glory in the midst of his people at Our Savior Lutheran Church and School, a proud sponsor of A Brief History of Power. Find out more at oslcpagosa.org. North Idaho is home to beautiful mountains and scenic lakes, small-town tranquility, civil freedom, and the faithful Lutheran parish of Blessed Sacrament Lutheran Church, located in Hayden, Idaho, near Coeur d'Alene. Blessed Sacrament Lutheran Church is a proud sponsor of A Brief History of Power. If you like what you hear on Brief History, then you will love Blessed Sacrament, where the Lord's Word is faithfully preached and Christ's body and blood are administered at every divine service. Whether you are visiting Idaho or considering moving to Idaho, wouldn't it be nice? Please join the saints of Blessed Sacrament Lutheran Church for the Mass and Augsburg Academy Bible Study. Directions, service times, and much more information about this confessional, liturgical parish may be found at blessedsacramentlutheranchurch.com. Blessed Sacrament Lutheran Church, Historic Christian Orthodoxy, the Evangelical Lutheran Faith, in the beautiful inland northwest. Thank you.